hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I'm joined by a slightly different guest in Callum McIntyre of Overdrive from YouTube, producer of Driver61. Um, hello, Callum. Hi, Tom. How are you? All good? I, I am very good, thank you. Uh, pleasure to have you. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to go straight into it. Do you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know what you do who you are for those very few of our listeners who probably don't already know who you are. <laughs> I can do. Um, yeah, first of all, Tom, thanks for having me on. I, I love the show. I listen every week. I have a go in my head with the predictions. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm Callum from uh, people know, well, F1 audience will know us from Driver61. Um, I was employee number two there and have written over 100 videos for that channel. Um, sort of part of researching, talking to Scott, the, the producer, the, the presenter, who is a, uh, an ex-professional racing driver. Um, and then I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. And so sort of we came together uh, to write uh, a lot of the Driver61 videos together. Um, and that channel has hit a million subscribers recently, which is mental. Um, and then about a year ago, we started a, an automotive channel uh, called Overdrive, which is fun stuff with cars. Um, and that's been really, you know, growing recently. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we get to do a lot of cool things. Um, and yeah, I suppose that's where people will know me from. I'm a big sim racer and F1 nerd as well outside of um, outside of work. But yeah. No, that's cool. Um, I don't know if we're, are we allowed to mention the old name Overdrive had? Because I know it's changed. So some people yes. might not realize it's changed. Yeah, so it was called Driven Media. Um, there was there was some lawyers who 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 emailed and wrote to us and said uh, you got to change your name so we have yeah. uh, but actually we prefer Overdrive as a name it we, works we're excited about that it works. Um, yeah yeah one, I think one of the first times I realised that that had happened was obviously the name had changed but I sort of realised the extent of it when I saw the uh, the Subaru and it, all the all the old logos like blurred out <laughs> on the video and I was like why <laughs> I know they've changed the name but is it that serious <laughs> then it sort of dawned on me what was going on so <laughs> yeah well, but kind of no, did it, that as a bit of a joke. <laughs> I'm not sure they would they would actually get in contact and be like, by the way, can you change the stickers on your Subaru? But we kind of blurred it really badly um, yeah. as, as a bit of a joke. But yeah. yeah. I liked it. I liked it. It was a nice touch. How was that? I'm talking about a Supercart video, by the way, recently that I was watching. In fact, was it this oh, week? Supercart, yes. Yeah. That was, it was a few weeks ago now we recorded it. Yeah. Because Scott did the, the sort of hot lap in the Subaru for comparison, didn't he? Yeah, so that video uh, is up now. It's called uh, We Tried the World's Fastest Go-Karts because not, not many people know what a supercart is, but they're absolutely outrageous. Two-stroke, 100 horsepower, and they weigh about 200 kilos. Like, if you can imagine what, what would happen if you took an F1 car and sort of shrunk it down so you could fit it in the back of your estate car, that that's <laughs> what it was. It It's absolutely ballistic. Like, no suspension, uh, sequential gearbox, it accelerates like nothing else. It holds a lot of lap records. Um, it's quicker than F3 cars around some circuits. Like, uh, imagine being strapped into that thing uh, and doing that sort of speed. So me, as a as a not racing driver, got to try it. And Scott, as a racing driver, got to try it. He obviously pushed it a lot harder, but we um, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I actually <laughs> burnt my coat. There was no yeah. way to put your elbows in that thing. And there's two exhausts coming out of the two engines either side of me. 
and uh, I came in the pits and thought, oh, my arms are warm. And I looked down and uh, I've melted my jacket to the exhaust. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a mental experience. It was just like, I, I, it was my brain fighting my body uh, saying, you can go flat out. Like, yeah. don't pull your foot off the accelerator because the first thing you do when you experience acceleration like that is just go and come back up off the accelerator. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And to, to show people how fast it was, we put our Subaru in, which we we built for another series. But yeah, it was it was a good good fun one that one. Yeah, it, it looked it like I I feel like I'd be just like you, and I would do exactly the same thing you did in turn one. Let's put it that way. Like, oh, <laughs> brings up the spin. <laughs> I, I'm I'm comparing myself. I'd, I'd do exactly the same thing. Think think it's all fine. Feather it and just go. So. Yeah, I've I've since learned what I did was it the one I drove was actually twin engined and so that means it's got a gearbox on each thing. Ah. And I hadn't pulled the sequential shifter hard enough. So one wheel had gone into first gear or whatever and the other one was in neutral. Um and so then when I touched the throttle going through turn 1 it just went one and spun oh. straight away. It was like I barely come out of the pits and I'd spun this thing. Uh, but I suppose that shows what what they're like then. That, that's a weird setup as well, like having having two of them on it. Mm. That yeah, that yeah. that'd be a, a bit of a mind mess, I think, to get my head around. <laughs> so um, absolutely. The the other the other thing I just wanted to kind of talk about a little bit before we get like specifically into the show is probably the Catrum stuff because I, I don't know how many people will know, but you're essentially set to be racing in the the novice Catrum series this this year, aren't you? Yeah. It, mega exciting essentially what um what this is is uh we we've partnered with caterham they run a race series called the caterham academy it's their bottom racing series and it's made to be for people who haven't driven professionally before you cannot have held a race license at all before and you can't have won a karting championship a national karting championship so that means you don't get the people who are who are you know have been <laughs> testing their entire lives um and and doing that but it means that it's for normal people like you and me it's the best way to get into racing um you buy one package you get the car and all the racing and everything like that so i'm kind of taking people along that experience the only experience i have in racing is lawnmower racing that's another <laughs> story um uh but also sim racing i've i was coached by scott for a long time i'm i'm okay in i racing um and so i've i've learned through the sim and so my goal this year is to see how much that accounts for in real racing if you talk to some drivers they're like it literally means nothing zero percent you gain no you gain nothing it's not transferable at all if you talk to someone like James Baldwin, a quick sim racer who's then gone to racing, he goes, it's about 60 to 70%. And I'm trying to see where where that is. Um, and so, yeah, Caterham are sponsoring me. Today I had a track day with with Scott at Donington where he was coaching me. It was absolutely insane. I've literally mm-hmm. just got back. But that was an experience, being next to, like, I mean, he drove it as a, as a pro driver and seeing what a car can do and then building yourself up to take a car to that point um, and how to do that efficiently and quickly uh but yeah so it's going to be really exciting i'm taking people through the 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 series this year there's seven events across the uk um and we're posting stuff on youtube uh we built the car a couple of weeks ago that's that video is live on overdrive uh and then also through social media like uh taking people through maybe the thrills and spills of uh Mm. of my racing uh year but 
Yes, it's going to be mega. So excited. It, it was really interesting watching the build video, to be honest. I'll not say too much to, like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to go ahead and watch it after us talking about it, but it was like, I've, I've recently got into all the Lego Technic cars, and it was like, it seemed like that on steroids. <laughs> it's like the biggest Lego Technic you'll yeah. ever build, and then the prospect of driving it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, it works like a Lego set. It's like grab bag one and part five, <laughs> fit part five to chassis. Um, apart from you've got like torque specs and stuff. And I absolutely love Lego Technic and big big sets like that. Um, and so it's, uh, it was mad to do it as a, as a whole thing. But knowing like, I'm going to be breaking down into the craners <laughs> with this this brake disc or whatever I'm, I'm fitting or this wishbone or whatever. Uh, you want to you wanna know it's done properly. Yeah. But. Yeah, that was a fun video. Uh, all, all looks really good. I'm, I'm excited to see how you get on, to be honest. Because, I mean, did you have much um, involvement in the video that you did on Driver 61 for uh, Scott? Was like comparing why Max is sort of good at um, sim racing and obviously real world track racing. And like the, the some of the things that he does in a sim environment that give him the kind of sense of awareness that he has to get a different way on track. And that, that was quite interesting to be honest, which I know obviously Scott's done both to a good standard and you do a lot of sim racing. Like, did you actually learn anything from a video like that? Oh, massively. I, I, so I wrote that video. Oh, um, our, our process is generally, uh, we'll chat about an idea. We'll go, this is insane that Max is winning a world championship. And last year, <laughs> last year he won... The US Grand Prix, and three hours later, he was in a top top tier i racing yeah. uh, split. You're like, what? What this this guy? Um, so yeah, he's he's really up there in the sim world. He's also up there in, on on the you know in F1, uh, and so it it kind of struck us of like, well, we need to make a video about this because that is bizarre that he can do both. Um, so yeah, we our process is generally I will research and start writing it, and then I'll I'll run it past Scott. He always picks up things that I don't um, and has obviously that experience in the real world. Uh, and so we'll watch loads of footage together and then and then come up with a video like that. Um, and yeah, Max is, Max is incredible. The way he manipulates a car in the sim is so, so similar mm. to what he does in the real world and the way he sets one up, the way he chooses his GT3 cars. He chooses like a pointy car that loves to rotate like that red bull seems to be set up in in the real world um but also has some other little tricks like obviously you don't feel g-force so one of the coolest things is i watched back one of his replays and he will um actually in in some of the coding files adjust it because way past what you can do normally he'll bring all of the engine sounds and all of the in-game sounds down and the tires way up so he's going around rather than feeling, okay, I'm on the limit. I, I can feel this G-force. This is about what the car can do. He, he's listening. And that, that was crazy to me. Um, yeah, yeah, that was one of the bits I found most interesting about it because I've never thought about that. And in a game like iRacing, which is obviously one of the main ones that he plays, it's the, the quality of that audio and the, the, the quality of the samples that they use is good enough to get that kind of feedback uh, just, at, just at the right cusp, isn't it, before you hit the limit, which is probably one of the many reasons he's as good at both as what he is. Absolutely. Scott Scott says, you know, the audio was like 80% as good as you get in real life. You know, you yeah. get those little minutiae, the little details of the tyre dragging across the track or um, little things like that. But yeah, 
you, you can tell it's valuable to him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Um, right. I'm going to talk about a little bit of news. We'll do a little bit of opinion on that, um, and then it'll be the dreaded predictions for you, my friend. <laughs> um, i'm excited i'm excited good, good. i'm glad uh, yeah so w- one little bit of news that's come out this week is um andretti in their bids to make an application for f1 have actually gone out and hired um a formula renault f1 and lotus f1 technical chief and also mercedes formula e technical chief nick chester um so it looks like he's set to head up um a lot of their technical aspects um possibly help build a team to to work with Andretti and potentially Cadillac if that still goes ahead. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it makes it sound, you know, as serious as they can be. Like, he's, he's a guy that's got 20-plus years' experience across motorsport in, in that kind of position, and specifically a lot of it with, you know, two decent-performing F1 teams over the years. So, I mean, how how do you feel generally about the whole Andretti bid, Callum? Have you have you decided on this yet? I'm I'm keen for more teams. Um, I can see I can see why other people aren't. I I kind of I, I do get it, but I'm I'm keen for more teams. This is definitely showing that Andretti are, are serious. Um, I know they've they've made a number of steps to to try and show Formula One look we're serious we want to be competitive and and making a big hire like this is definitely a big step towards that it'll be interesting to see how the rest of their process to get into f1 goes and how how they're received um but yeah i think this is exactly the sort of move they should be making right now to say look we've brought in this talent they've been responsible for these cars in the past this is what we can do now yeah exactly and i think yeah, it, it just sort of cements how serious they are because I think there's there's definitely people up and down the paddock probably that maybe don't think it's as potentially serious as maybe Andretti want it to be perceived. So, yeah, I think going out and making a big hire like that. Um, I mean, uh, this season, Nick started the year with the Formula E McLaren team who obviously took over from Mercedes when Mercedes bowed out. So he's kind of left an ongoing job with them to go do this so to me there must be something that andretti is showing him about how serious they are and and the you know the specifics of what they've got planned for the next few years to because realistically they're looking to be in f1 by 2025 just in time for all the um the engine regulation changes so it's yeah i think i think it just shows a bit of intent from andretti and like i said to, to impress someone like him enough to to lure him away from Formula E, it probably means that they've got something going on that that interests him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another bit of news. This will excite many of the many of the listeners because everyone knows how big of a Jensen Button fan we all are. Uh, but Jensen is set to race in three NASCAR meets over the course of this year with uh, Rick Ware Racing in a Ford Mustang. So he will first race in Austin, which is just under a fortnight's time now. I think it's the twenty sixth of March. Uh, and then he's got another race in Chicago, which is, I believe, a new track for NASCAR. And that's in July. And then he's got um, an Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway event in August. So I'm very, very interested to see what Jensen does in a NASCAR. Um, more so than when Kimi Raikkonen did it last time. Absolutely. I think... Uh, yeah, Kimmy. I, I was in the US a couple of months back, and uh, we we had time just to to drop into a NASCAR event, 
uh, and someone asked me what my favorite driver was and I thought I'm, I might get myself <laughs> hurt here but I said Kimi Raikkonen as a joke they did not find that funny at all um, but yeah I'm so keen to see Jensen in a, in a NASCAR I think um, maybe I'm reading into this too much but his his driving style and his thing I, like in my head I, I can see that yeah. like uh, uh, I'm, I'm keen to see what he can do in a stock car uh, as I am, you know, when Kimi went across, I, I'm sure their viewing numbers went up with with European audiences of people watching. You know, how does Kimi get on in a stock car race? Uh, it'll be the same with with Jensen, and I'm yeah, really excited to to see how he does. Yeah, definitely. I think um, his his style that transitioned well into all the GT racing that he did post Formula One, like um, uh, in Super GT, and he did some DTM, didn't he? So like. There's, there's, I think there's a lot of elements of the smooth style that he managed to transition across to there should probably work quite well in NASCAR, maybe even better in a NASCAR because obviously a lot of it's oval racing, isn't it? I'm not sure how many of the events he's doing are going to be ovals because I don't know NASCAR that well. But um, mm-hmm. I think there'll definitely be elements of his style that, that will suit racing in that series. Absolutely. Um we, we actually only just researched this for, for a video. But <laughs> when he went into Super GT, he had to drive way more aggressively. He had that problem in Formula One where he just couldn't get the tyres fired up as, as much as Lewis can, um, as Lewis could at McLaren and, and later on with Alonso, etc. Um, and so that was a real problem. And then in, in Super GT, it, it was more so. If, if you he I remember him in an interview saying if you didn't get them warm you get massive pickup and then you have no grip it's like similar the way degradation works in formula one but if you, if you pick up loads of rubber on the outside of your tire you, you have problems now in nascar again i'm not the i don't watch loads of nascar races but the amount of time they spend saving tires and being super smooth and um again driving slightly below the limit but for more laps and gaining places that way that that adds up in my head to Jensen Button in a in a stock car, you know, yeah. with with those tires. I can see his driving style working really well there, being super smooth on the wheel, but doing all of the control of the car with the pedals. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how that translates. Yeah, in fact, that that was in a Driver sixty one video, wasn't it? About how he. It, so, what was the quote? The quote was from was it one of his old race engineers? The whole. Um, he looks like on a, he's on a Sunday drive from the from the overhead, but if you saw his footwork, it's like frantic, like he's balancing the car with his feet rather than with his hands, which is like quite different to your Max Verstappen, your Fernando Alonso's that are kind of a bit more on the edge all the time and kind of fighting with the wheel rather than with the feet. Absolutely, yeah. It's Tom Stallard. I think he's at McLaren now. Am I right in saying? Uh, yes. Um, anyway, I think so. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. Don't worry, yeah, someone said, will correct yeah, us. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah, if if you imagine if you've got a car in a corner on the limit and you're you're you can you can do one of two things. You can either be very smooth on the throttle and deal with it, like Max does. He sort of has a lot of oversteer on the way in and through the corner, but he he knows I can hang on to this thing. Uh, and then there's yeah Jensen who is directly the opposite that is super smooth in applying the steering but is is controlling the balance of the car on the brake and on the throttle um it, it's so cool to see people doing very different things but achieving a similar result um in in formula one i, I love looking at driving style stuff yeah i mean yeah. i mean to be fair that's some of the stuff that i've always enjoyed that you've written with with scott to be fair is those sort of analytical bits of here's what how one person's doing it 
here's how another person's doing it and you know here's the pros and cons to both so yeah, yet another one of the videos we can go recommend to check out for everyone <laughs> you're doing well here Tom. I mean, this is just... <laughs> everyone's gonna think we set this up well let, let's put it this way i'm the one that's enamored that you're here i'm excited that you're here so but then you were like i'm so excited to be on the podcast so it's probably working out mutually it's fine <laughs> yeah there you go um right it is that time of the week, so we're we're a few days out from the weekend beginning in Jeddah. Um, it's time to revisit that. It's the world's fastest F1 circuit. I think they still brand themselves as it's. It's very different to Bahrain. The question is, will things pan out differently? So it's worked a little bit differently this week. Um, so for predictions, I've already got some in from Kristen Stew, which means I've got a little bit of a heads up on who the uh, random driver is because mm. I've had to draw it for their benefit. But I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna keep that to myself for now. Um, and for those who haven't listened before or are newer to the show, essentially what we're about to do is go through and pick who will be fastest in Q3, who will win the race, who sh who we think the first DNF will be. Um, the number of finishes for the race, and then this random driver's finishing position. And if you want to join in, you can head to backofthegrid.com, sign up if you're not signed up already, and get entering your predictions for a chance to win a prize if you get a five out of five clean sweep any given week. Uh, right, we're going to do ours though. Do you want the honours of being first first, Callum, or do you want me to go first? I'll let you, As guests, I'll let you choose. I had to think about this on my drive home. Maybe okay. I should get in there first. I okay. Uh, mm. So who do you think okay. is going to be fastest, fastest in Q3? in Q3, right? Yep, that's first bit. I'm going to say Perez. Oh, that, um, that's really interesting. Chris has done exactly the same I thing. I know. <laughs> well, th there's the thing of it being last, you know, what happened last year. Yeah. But that, that street circuit, I think it will be re-limited on tyres. I think maybe that, Perez street circuit effect will will help. Um, I know that car seems to be, from watching Bahrain, slightly more how Max wants it. Definitely, you know, last year it was it was a way off, and so yeah, you know, you're picking Perez on Max really in my head um, for for this, and so I, I don't know. I think Perez for Q3. Okay, it's bold, but you're going to say Max, aren't you? I am just because I can't look past what he did last time out and I can't look past the fact that there were some very distinct radio messages that made it sound like there's even more race pace at least. Maybe not necessarily quality pace, but there's definitely a lot more race pace in that car than maybe Red Bull are letting leashed at the moment. Just because, yeah, the, 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 the messages that I didn't pick up on until later this, like last week, was... The way that um, he was being told to stick to certain delta times and um, mm. being told multiple times to stop posting the lap times he was and having to rein it in a bit. Hey, mate, drive. <laughs> yeah, drive seven tenths slower, please. Yeah. It was, I think <laughs> like, the one that got me was look, Max, just please do this because I'm going to get bored of asking in a minute. <laughs> just like <laughs> that's that to me is uh, a bit foreboding, I think, in terms of. In terms of Red Bull, so I am going Max, um, which brings me on to my win. I, I, if he's on pole, I can't see him not winning the race. Um, unfortunately, for a lot of people outside of being Red Bull or Max Verstappen fans, I think that's the way it's going to go. Um, Chris and Stu have both got it the same. So even though Chris is with you with Perez fifth for Quali, 
he is um, going with Max for the win. How how do you find it, Callum? Max for the win. There's there's no other yeah. way unless unless there's a mechanical failure, which I can't see coming. I yeah, I think it'll be Max. I do. You don't off the top of your head know which compounds they're taking this this time, do you? I unfortunately do not, but I might be able to very very quickly find out if they've already announced. Because that's them. the only thing. I I wonder if if they were a little bit harder because Pirelli want to protect against that track, like the load seems mm. high there. I wonder if they might be slightly harder and that might lean slightly more towards Ferrari. But if that is the case, I can still only see them Ferrari realistically being third and fourth, like beating Mercedes and, and, and Aston potentially. But that relies on them being harder tyres. Look, Taking a quick look, it looks like the hard will be the C2 and the soft will be the C4. Um Providing that's yeah. accurate, it looks like that's for 2023 and not not last year's stats. So yeah, looking at so it's not quite the hardest that is it. Um, would have been the C2. It's, it's, the, middle, it's the, yeah. mid, the middle of the bunch, uh, but I can't remember where it was last year. To be fair, yeah, it was a C0 this year, isn't there? So I th yeah, that is still the sort of middle-ish lot. So yeah, I think I think you can't really bet against Red Bull, can you? No, I, I don't think so on pace at least at the moment. Um, and Ferrari appear to have some of their technical gremlins still not resolved with what happened with Leclerc so and he's potentially going to get penalties I mean I know that doesn't count for fastest in Q3 the way that we do it it's about who gets the fastest time regardless of the penalties but even still that's going to then hurt his race pace anyway because he's going to he's potentially going to end up further back if he has to take certain components already it's it always feels like a mess at Ferrari it feels really sad but yeah, I need I need to wear my Verstappen hat, well, my Red Bull hat more for all the people who want my curse to live. <laughs> so we'll see if I can dig it out this weekend. Um, right, you're gonna have to. Let's let's move on to first DNF. So um, Chris has interestingly gone with Carlos Sainz. So I'm guessing he's feeling a a Ferrari engine going pop, or maybe Sainz getting caught up in a bit of trouble from not being on, on the pace. Not sure what, what he's thinking is there. Stu's going with McLaren. Um, it worked for me last week, so he's gone with Norris this week. Um, how, how are you feeling on this one, Callum? I've, I've got Norris. You've got Norris as well? Yeah. Shame oh, for him. I feel... I, it would... Oh, or Piastri. I don't know. Yeah, Norris. I'll stick with Norris. Okay, okay. I'm I'm really torn on where to go with this, but after the race Ocon had last week, I just get this feeling that he's going to like overdrive and do something silly to try and make up for everything that went wrong last week. So I'm going to throw Ocon out there as a potential for first DNF. Just maybe a silly, clumsy move into turn one or... A mistake, a little bit too close to a wall early in the race, something like that. Um, yeah, that's where I'm going with that one. His car went well. His car broke down last time, didn't it? I remember yeah, he yeah. had a DNF. Yeah, um, and the year before he got beaten by by Bottas to the line. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, maybe this this isn't his favorite. <laughs> <track. laughs> maybe not. I, I mean, that works in my favor, to be fair. So I'm I'm taking that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Number of finishes. So Chris has gone 15. Stu has gone for the magic oh. 17 that we tend to go for if we're ever unsure. I can't decide on this one because we have had a 
a fair few DNFs in the past, um, mainly through accidents as well. So I was going to go a fairly low number of finishes like Chris. I just didn't know if I was going to go that low. What are you thinking? I thought I was being bold by going with 15. Oh. But you guys, your predictions make me want to go for like 19 or something. Play to win here. Yeah. So I, no, I... <laughs> I'm gonna go sixteen and then. Yeah, going for the sixteen. Okay, I mean there were four. So there were fourteen last year. I've literally just double checked. Um, oh wait, no, there were thirteen last year because album was classified but didn't actually finish, which doesn't which counts as a a non finish for for us the way we do it. I, I'm going with I'm going with Chris. I'm going I'm going fifteen. Um, I'm sticking with that. Um, and right, it's time for the random driver. So as I say, I kind of already know who this is, so I've got a little bit of a slight unfair advantage, but it's an interesting one because it's Fernando Alonso. And after last week's, well, last race's podium, I think this is a very tricky one because this is essentially how many cars ahead of him are going to DNF for how far above fifth will he finish, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> really? <laughs> You think fifth? I, no, well, I, I I think I think he's got the outright pace, talent, and car at the moment for fifth. It's now about how many of the Ferraris and Red Bulls ahead of him don't finish the race or have gremlins and have issues. So, yeah, it's, it's... that car seemed good on its tires last week, mm -hmm. and I feel like this is going to be a one-stop with a bit of managing uh and so particularly with with what the ferraris did last week with their tires taking it maybe it's boring to decide this based on tires but i think he could maybe get a third or a fourth here i well, i think i'll go fourth okay you're matching chris then so chris has gone fourth stew's gone with the fifth and i'm actually going for the bold back-to-back -back podium i'm going third i i think similar to what you were just saying that the ferraris on their tires are gonna struggle the one stop i think because like you say it's not that it's 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 doable here but i think the ferraris are just too hard on them and will have to resort to a two-stop whereas max running in clean air at the front alonso managing his tires well and the aston can probably both do a one-stop more comfortably and i think that might be enough for him to beat the ferraris so i, I rewatched last year's race this morning and they ferrari did a bizarre ferrari call and said box to overtake when was it uh leclerc was halfway around the lap yeah and so perez ahead of him pitted and then leclerc didn't and then there was the red flag which meant he <laughs> he jumped is that right yeah he jumped a lot of them yeah um, it really hurt Perez. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Because it was they—they they were essentially reacting to the radio message, weren't they? They were trying to undercut the radio message, and it yeah, it all kind of went a bit Pete Tong, I think. So maybe that yeah. was one strategy call they got la right last year. Yeah, that was like <laughs> a, a forgotten one. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm trying to—I'm trying to remember, but I feel like last year for strategy, Ferrari wasn't actually too bad. It was the reliability that was... I mean, no, no, I'm actually saying that. There were definitely some terrible races for strategy. 
There were definitely some terrible race for strategy. But that yeah. Spa. There was the yeah. box for fastest lap, which lost them a position. Yeah, I'm just realizing now how stupid I was. It was because I bought that science hat. That's what it was. I wore the oh. science hat far too much and I destroyed it. So that's why I have the Red Bull hat this year. One, it looks nice. Two, I'm trying to see if the curse is real. But I haven't worn it yet. Well, we I've not worn racing. it on a race weekend. We'll we'll see. I'm good. I'm gonna wear it for Jeddah. So maybe putting Verstappen Verstappen in my predictions is not the best way forward because I'm going to wear the Red Bull hat this weekend and see what happens. And being a superstitious person, I've got a feeling that something bad will happen. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, right. So just a reminder to everyone: if you want to get involved with predictions, you can head to backofthegrid.com, sign in, or create yourself a new account you can submit all your predictions and they'll be open by the time the podcast goes live so um, you can get yourself on that leaderboard and remember there is a prize for anyone who gets five out of five in any week um there's also a link on there to our grid rival uh, fantasy league and i have today set up a brand new f1 fantasy because everyone wanted the official one as well so we've got one of those it'll be a race short obviously but everyone wanted one so we've done one uh, so there'll be a link to that on there by the time you're hearing this as well um right I'm going to play that jingle that everybody loves, uh, you in particular, Callum, and we're going to do some inbox. Are you ready? I'm ready. Is keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Hey man. Hey man. <laughs> hey man. I mean, it's become a thing now, as you probably know from listening. Like nearly all the questions start like that. So, um, I've got a few. A handful of them are like aimed specifically at you. So I'm gonna oh, no. I'm gonna give you those first. I mean they're, they're easy, they're easy, they're not difficult. Don't worry. Uh, but our very own Chris Evans has sent in the first one, and he says, "Hey man, question for Callum: How's the M3 coming along?" Oh no, oh no! <laughs> don't ask about that. Is it not going um, well? For anyone who doesn't know, we we um, we did a series before, which was can you make a a normal car quicker than a supercar with fifteen thousand pounds? <laughs> And we, we bought a Subaru Estate, long story. We upgraded it over, over a number of episodes. I would recommend that if anyone's like new to the channel, go and watch that because I, I think we're really proud of that as a series. Uh, I think it was like eight episodes. Anyway, when that finished, we were like, oh, we should do something else. Um, and uh, we met Matt Armstrong. I don't know if you follow him on YouTube. He, he buys wrecked cars um, and uh, brings them back to life and modifies them slightly. And he's a really nice guy. And we thought, oh, that looks fun, like buying a wrecked car and bringing it back. Um, and <laughs> Scott, over lunch, uh, Impulse bought uh, an E46 M3 uh, in sort of track spec. Someone had put a nice roll cage in it. It had CSL boot lid for the BMW nerds and some other stuff. Uh, and we did one episode where we had... It arrived and we had a look at it and we planned what we needed. And then the next week, a BMW uh, specialist came over and said, yeah, the chassis is bent. Um, oh. This is this is a no-go. <laughs> if you're going to do this, you need to part it out and buy something else. And so we're like, ah. Oh. So we went in with blind optimism. <laughs> Impulse bought a car. And then the, yeah, it's gone. Um, we mentioned it a couple of times in in other episodes, but it's just ended up getting cut out the way we cut really tight for YouTube. But it's just ended up like that bit was in with other bits that got cut out, and we haven't. We should tell people, hey guys, this is what happened. Um, but yeah, that was a a challenging one. Uh, but it, it's it's 
I think it someone bought it for the engine and all the bits and they've turned it into a, a track monster. It looks good actually. But um yeah. That's what happened to that series. It is no more. Oh, it is a shame. It was. I like the idea, so it is a shame. But I mean, I'm happy because I've got myself an overdrive exclusive of what happened to the M3. <laughs> you have. We'll have to point YouTube comments yeah. here. You have heard it here first of all. The M3. <laughs> you have. You have. Um, it's so sad because I love that car and it sounded incredible and it would have been amazing. We we had aspirations of thinking, oh, maybe we could take this racing or do something with it, but um, no, it it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, uh, a series of a series of parting out and selling bits on eBay isn't that interesting? I think um, the the most interesting things I always see done with them is. Um, People turn them into drift cars as well as race cars. Like um, we, I did with with the day job. I did a little bit of work with the British Drift Championship a few years ago, and seeing oh. the pieces of kit that those guys put together, it's 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 a part of motorsport that I sort of never really took seriously. I'll admit before working with them, because to me it's just like, well, you're just sliding a car around. There's like, there's, there's nothing to that. I, I can do that when I'm not trying. <laughs> I'm not trying to drift it when I drift it. But then like you go see the machines and see the effort that they put into like making it do what it does and just the sheer precision of it. I got like a whole new respect for it. Um, and yeah, the, the, the range of cars as well, because you've got like guys doing M3s and stuff like that. You've got guys doing gt86s and and stuff and some like there's a there's a few different versions supras. of like toyotas and supras and stuff yeah but the body kits they put on them and the the, the stuff they do to them is is insane so there you go well it's like that nerdy bit we love about the cars in f1 isn't it like yeah. it's 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 the engineering the design the setup you know they're thinking about tires and doing all that you know it's all of that but just with a different goal in mind yeah um and the precision of some of those drivers i watch some of the formula drift stuff in the us and things like that the precision of some of them skidding those things about it, it is epic yeah uh yeah yeah really cool right next question that's directly for you is from me and it is of all the different random wheel sets that you've stuck on that Catron with Scott, which is your favourite and why? I mean, there's only four different ones that I can think of off the top of my head, but I've watched what them all. That? Formula One wheels. Yeah, Formula One. Well, the ones that I know of are Formula One wheels, double wheels, um, airless, tireless wheels, and they're really skinny wheels. They're the ones I know of. Yeah. We we uh, So to explain, we... Um... We're trying to come up with big ideas for the channel when we first launched it. And we thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to just put some F1 tyres on a normal car? Uh, on a normal car was a bit difficult, but a Caterham, actually, you can bolt stuff straight on. It's fairly easy to modify and make things fit. So we, we designed up some hubs that went on the, it's like 4 by 108 uh, stud pattern. We had those hubs go on and then had that, you know, the huge centre lock um, wheel nuts that, that go on F1 tires uh, and wheels and uh scott knows a guy with some with some <laughs> f1 wheels and so we took them took it to the tracks at a time with it stock and then put the tires on it um so yeah we also did it with an mr2 we also had to go at making our own airless tires out of like diy store parts so scott went out and bought some some like drain <laughs> pipe plastic drain pipe uh, and some other bits as well as like a, ste a, a very small mini steely like for a mini um and cut up a tire and we sort of made our own airless tires funny story someone has copied that on was, facebook and it's got like 
40 million views. I saw you that fury. recently when, furious, when you sort furious. of tweeted it saying like, theirs versus ours, I feel like they've stolen an idea, our idea, but theirs has got so many more views. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, right? Fair enough. Nothing's original, and, you know, fair enough. But still, it's, it's like, oh, sad times. <laughs> sad. But that video's got like 4 million views or, or whatever, I think. Um, and then we also tried uh, Space Savers. We always thought, you know, those things look like they've got no grip. That sounds amazing for drifting. So we thought, <laughs> let's put four of those on a Caterham, which loves to slide anyway. Um, and that was, inc- you could have massive, massive second gear, third gear drifts at like 19 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was excellent. Uh, and then we also thought, oh, let's put eight wheels on, on a car, um, to see if it had more grip and if it went quicker. And it did. It went second quicker around Kerb- Kerbera. Um, we put, yeah, basically doubled up the rims, welded them around, around the outside and got a tire shop to mount the wheels we sort of took it into that tire shop and said uh can you put these two tires on this wheel and they were like um okay uh this is not safe we do not recommend doing this but we'll do it for you uh and yeah that was a that was a funny one we sort of we sort of did a series because once once we'd done one we sort of know knew it worked yeah. and it's a bit easy to do and we sort of we just rinsed that idea and then moved on but uh yeah that that was a fun series that one actually which one was your favorite though of all of them which one was my favorite sorry i forgot your question uh the f1 tires was sketchy actually (laughs) dangerous i would say uh probably the eight wheels because it was technically road legal and so Mm -hmm. i drove it about on the road It, it handled well it was grippier Everyone stared at it because it looked ridiculous. It looked like jewelies you see on trucks. I'd say that one was my favourite. The F1 wheels, everyone think would be cool, but it, you just you skid around everywhere. It had zero grip. I mean, that is the one thing I remember is I think it was when did you drive the F1 wheels? I can't remember. I know Scott did a lot of it with you in the past. I did seat. on the MR2. Uh, it was the MR2. Yeah, yeah. I just remember him being. You were like in a notable supermarket chains car park trying to park and he was basically just spinning up the wheels constantly because it was a bit damp and it was like yeah this seems sketchy driving around reputable brands we didn't <laughs> drive park. it on the public road yeah that's true. Like, we didn't break any public laws you were only in a car um, park <laughs> i will say that we were only in a car park and that's private land uh, but yeah that was good fun although speaking of car parks from what i remember the eight wheeler didn't fit in <laughs> the, the parking lot did it you went couldn't get through the barrier we had to turn around and leave. <laughs> yeah. I tried to park it. I did my absolute best, but it was too wide. Zero steering angle. Yeah. It was it was bad. But yeah. Yeah, in, in terms of, obviously what we've learned tonight is my hierarchy of favourite uh overdrive or driver sixty one videos. Because that's basically what's happened. I've just talked go. about my favourites and the ones I'd recommend. <laughs> um another <laughs> one that's direct for you is from Truly Brigden. The Charlie Brickton with no vowels. Uh, it says, hey, man, question for Callum, but Tom, you can answer too if you want. Don't worry. What car from the current grid do you think would be the most interesting to drive? Interesting. Um, I don't want to be boring here. Hmm. But if, I, if, I, if, I wanted, if you let me have a drive in anything, I would pick the Red Bull straight away, right? Yeah. It's like everyone would pick the, what was the 2020 mercedes yeah like that is like one of one of those cars that everyone talks about the most interesting i think it'd have to be the red bull 
I, I know that's a boring it. answer, but the way that thing's been designed, it's, I have I have a soft spot for Adrian Newey and his designs, and I think uh, driving something like that, that particularly last year's car, and this one's really an evolution of it, was one of the most dominant cars ever. I don't know if it is the most. No, I think the McLaren MP4 still has that, but um, yeah, I, it would have to be the the Red Bull RB25 or whatever it is yeah. this year. If I was going to not do the boring answer <laughs> i'd pick the aston just on the basis that i think even i could get it out of low traction and save tires in it because it looks that good on its tires i think even i could do good tire management in that and that's saying something because that's something i'm terrible at when it comes to sim racing so um yeah i'd i'd, I'd do that if if i if i excluded red bull i think aston would be my next one um, mm. Or the Ferrari would be second for me. The, the, Fra- the Ferrari. You know, if you're going to drive an F1 car, it's got to be red. Yeah, I mean, if you did the Ferrari, you'd only manage like two laps in it though before you'd have to take it back for repairs. So yeah, <laughs> wouldn't last very long. <laughs> um, right, so more general inbox. Uh, we've got one from Blaze 2010. So uh, it says, "Hey man, assuming Red Bull doesn't lose steam and wins this constructors championship by 450 points, the next three teams were a country mile down the road behind them, but yet a full season ahead of the other six. How important are sprints and fastest laps going to be over the course of this year? If the bottom six are fighting over eighth because somebody's always had a bad race, cough, cough, Ferrari, uh, then that only leaves seven points a race for the bottom six teams. Um, if what, sorry, what if Alpine and McLaren turn things around? Suddenly, then there's no more regular points. Fastest laps and sprints are going to make or break some of those teams' weekends, and I can't wait to see it. How do we feel about hmm. that? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, I think it was last week, because of the whole um, Zhao trying to um, nick the fastest lap to take it away from Gasly in the Alpine. And I think that boils down to this sort of strategy, doesn't it, of teams realising how valuable those points are going to be this season. Absolutely. I don't know if particularly if they're more important than just picking up eighth, ninth, tenth places in in races. Like I know the sprint, what is it, the top six, is it? Get points? Yeah. You're testing me now. And then fastest lap, you've got to be inside the top ten. You can nick it from someone, but you can't take it, can you? So I don't know if that's going to be more important than just getting solid race results on the the proper Grand Prix um, at the end. I I can see a few reliability issues for a lot for ha- happening for a lot of those and maybe some good results for people like that that are towards the back you know thinking of the alphas and th- those sorts of teams yeah what do you think um I think for me it's there's definitely already teams thinking about it like I was saying with what was going on last weekend um but I also think that. I'm right in saying that sprint results don't count towards your championship position if you're tied on points. It's only the Grand Prix finishers. So, yes, you might finish sixth in a sprint race and pick up a nice valuable point, but if you finished every other race of the season, 18th, 17th, whatever, and your nearest rival you're tied with has finished races in the points in a Grand Prix, that's way more valuable. So I think that kind of goes along similar lines to what you were saying, where getting the points and the results in a Grand Prix is probably more 
um, I guess, more valuable long term because that's when your fastest laps can actually count towards something. It's and it's what helps, you know, set those standings come the end of the season if if things are tight. So um, I think they'll still be useful to teams and teams will still be trying for them. But yeah, I think the focus will be to get solid points finishes where they can in a race in a in a mm. Grand Prix. I'm basing this purely off vibes, but I feel recently, by recently in the last sort of three years, teams are focusing a lot more on race pace yeah. than quality pace. Um, uh, particularly like that Red Bull. Again, I, kn- I know they keep sticking it on pole, but that is just because their car is is unbelievable. It's it's great in qualifying trim, but is unbelievable in race pace. Um, and... Aston had a lot of race pace last year. Uh, sorry, last week, more than more than Mercedes, more than Ferrari, and so I feel like lots of teams. Uh, as soon as I mean the top guys are doing that, everyone else is going to start focusing on that. And I wonder if that'll be the case. Like again, you look at Pierre Gasly last week um, in Bahrain, started last and got up to was it P seven? Finish seventh or eighth, wasn't he? Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, incredible result based purely on race pace and his ability to overtake. There was no safety cars, mm. was there? No, mm. no safety cars. There wasn't anything like that, that artificially brought him brought him forward. It was just he cracked on with it and had a great race. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wonder if some of those teams further down the grid will start doing that and and potentially be able to pick up some great results if if something does go uh, does go a bit funny in a race. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, yeah, I think... One thing that is probably evident with the whole Red Bull thing is something you were talking about earlier, Max's style. Like, the car's built to be really good on race pace and suit him, but then his style is what helps him turn it on for single lap pace. And that's probably what hurts the Ferrari on race pace, is that it's really good to turn the car on and get one lap pace out of it, but that's what causes it to chew its tyres and destroy them over a race distance. So, like, this very, very specific nuanced design from kind of Adrian Newey and the rest of the team. Like, obviously, there's a whole team doing it, but it's things like that when you sort of look at them that it really highlights just how much goes into the, the whole concept of the car, I think, which is really interesting. There is something to be said for, for designers with, like, efficiency of grip. Like, there's a lot of that in suspension setup and the way you design a, a car, and uh, I think... Um, Mercedes and Red Bull in the last few seasons have been really good at that and Ferrari maybe haven't is that if if you're you know if you have loads of grip from the tire mechanically and then you apply aero you know aero grip to that and if you do that in the right way you can gain loads of grip without you know wearing the tires massively so Rebel have definitely got that right and I think Ferrari you know there's benefits to be had by firing up your tires immediately like if there is a particularly yeah. cold, wet race or something like that and there's changeable conditions or just qualifying pace. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Grey Bering, uh, last one for this week. Hey, it's another long one as well. Hey, man, does anyone else have faith in McLaren finishing P5th or 6th in the Constructors? Their lineup is currently better than Alfa Romeo, in my opinion, and will be better than Alpine as soon as Oscar gets up to speed. Nobody in their team is happy with the current car, but even with that limitation, Mercedes and Aston Martin weren't dropping Lando by massive amounts in Bahrain uh, when he was just behind them. 
Their new wind tunnel is expected to be calibrated by the end of June. Not sure about their new sim, um, but Haas, AlphaTauri and Williams are going to finish as the bottom three teams again, in my opinion. Um, I mean, as a, as a long-time McLaren fan, I'm going to say I, I sort of have some faith in them getting somewhere decent by the end of the season and getting consistent results, but sometimes that's just blind optimism of papayaness. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I think... Remember, it's the first race, right? I know McLaren. What what is is moving people on this opinion? It, a lot of body language and what Norris was like, and it, maybe it is does seem like all is lost right now. Last year they turned it around by by Imola, and they they had. I mean, Norris had good pace. They were on the podium, and so I do have faith in them turning things around. And when they do, I think you know, in the same car against some of the others, like they have an incredible pairing at the moment. Uh, and so I, I, and quite a racy pairing, I think, yeah. you know, there, there's one thing in having a really quick driver, but there's another having drivers who can battle their way through the field. And I feel that Norris and Piastri are those two. Um, so I, I, I have hope there. P fourth or fifth in the championship. I would, if it was 50, 50, I would say probably they could. Over they couldn't. Um, I mean, uh, who are they battling? They're battling Alpine and Aston, maybe, maybe even Ferrari or Mercedes. You know, like I, I, I have, I have faith in what they can do to that car to turn it around in the next couple of races. I would say three, two, three, four races. I reckon it'll it'll look like a different car. Yeah, definitely. Um, something interesting coming out of the chat from McJacko is basically saying. Not sure Ocon and Gasly is weaker than Norris and Piastri. Piastri is still a little unproven, and they're both solid race winners. So, do you think out of the out of the three pairings that you've got, uh, Alpha Romeo, because they're the ones mentioned, is Alpha Romeo, Alpine, and McLaren? If you had to take one of those pairings for your own team, which would you go for, Callum? Uh, McLaren's McLaren, yeah. definitely. Uh, fair point on the on the Ocon and Gasly thing, but. Uh, Ocon and Gasly didn't come into Formula One and set things alight immediately, did they? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, I don't know. Not that they, you know, it's still a very solid pairing, and I think they will be very consistent um, over the season. Maybe that that's definitely one of the 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 upsides of those guys. But again, Norris was, and I think Piastri will be. I, uh, again, maybe that's based on vibes. Yeah, I think I think I'd agree with you based on slight bias, but. I do I do agree that I think Gasly and Ocon are a very strong pair, but I sort of agree with the sentiment in this message, which is that, you know, Oscar's not yet up to speed with the car, he's not yet up to speed with the formula. No. Like, as he gets more time in it, judging by what we've seen in, like, Formula 2 and Formula 3, like, he should just get better and better, hopefully. Like, there's, there's a reason that Alpine and McLaren were fighting in, up virtually in courts about you know, whose contract was the legitimate one. So I think, yeah, given that, that there's definitely something there that hopefully we'll start seeing sooner rather than later anyway. And recently there have been other drivers that have come through the ranks that have been well touted. I mean, people were really, really, really talking about Yuki Tsunoda and not saying he's done a particularly bad job. This year is going to be important for him. But he hasn't set the world alight. Mm. And so I suppose that you could say the same about Piastri. Now, I know his his record has been unbelievable and there are not many drivers that have done what he's done. Is it F3, F2 on in the first year? Yeah, back to back, so, yeah. 
that's that's unbelievable and everyone's talking about that and I, you know he's definitely a good driver but that's not to say he gels well with that car immediately and gets up to speed and yeah again Mick Schumacher again was was one of them that isn't as highly touted but you know everyone was talking about him uh, and and it didn't do amazing so again it depends about the situation really where they land how comfortable they are um and the team that's behind them yeah definitely definitely um that is it for inbox um and that kind of brings us to the end of the show, I guess, as well for this week. Um, I'm going to give you a, just a moment on on the, this column to like let those people who don't know where to find you, how to find you. So tell them YouTube's, Twitters, whatever you wish. So we are uh, Driver Sixty One and Overdrive on on YouTube. You should follow us. Driver Sixty One is Formula One. Uh, Overdrive is is automotive and car based. If depending if you're into those things, um, on I would say best place to find me is on Twitter or Instagram. I'm virtually Callum on both, all one word. Uh, and uh, Overdrive particularly, we're going to be posting a lot of the catering stuff. So if you're at all into uh, on track or just seeing how someone who is in who has done a lot of sim work to then go into into real world and, and how they find that, I would say yeah, follow at follow Overdrive on on Instagram is is where you find that. We're posting loads of. Uh, reels and short form stuff there as well as on the youtube channel so uh but yeah thanks so much for having me on tom it's been it's been great it's been an absolute pleasure mate i appreciate you uh you stepping in at the at the 11th hour when i found out those two were on holiday last week so it was very short notice <laughs> i was like yeah i'll have a natter about f1 <laughs> <laughs> no it was a very pleasant surprise so thank you very much for doing it and i'm sure that we can have you back at some point as well because you've clearly enjoyed it here haven't you so <laughs> cheers dude definitely no problem um, and yeah if you want to find us on socials we're back of the grid f1 on everything so give that a search uh, and as i've said a couple of times already in the show head to back of the grid.com to get involved with the predictions league and find links to everything about contacting us on there as well uh see you all after cheddar i guess bye everyone do you want to say bye callum okay bye bye everyone <laughs>